Welcome to another edition of the InsuranceAUM.com podcast. The private credit market's now multi-trillion dollar market. It's too big to ignore. Right now, banks are operating with far more reserves than they'll ever need. We may not get a economic recession. We might get a financial market recession. There had to be a better way. It's critically important what's happening with the jewelry market for gold. Unemployment is a record low. The timing is just perfect. My name's Stuart Foley. I'll be your host. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Today's topic is buying and selling private funds in secondary markets. And we're joined by Jeff Leathers, who is the co-founder and CEO of TAP. TAP is an electronic trading platform for private funds. And TAP is one of our newest members. Jeff, thanks for being on. Thanks for taking the time today. Thanks for having me on, Stuart. I just got done coughing my head off. I had a root canal this morning. So other than that, I'm in great shape to do this podcast. I want to start this off the way we start them all, which is I'd love to know the town you grew up in, your first job, not the fancy one, and what makes insurance asset management so cool? <laughs> I'm happy to answer all three, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, so heart attack land in a, if you want to know the town, a little town called uh, Ross, north of San Francisco. Oh, wow. Very cool. It's beautiful there, right? It is quite beautiful there. Great place to grow up and also great to grow up with kind of the heart of tech land. The second question that you had was around where I first worked. You know, it might sound fancy where I worked. I worked at a bunch of Hollywood studios and talent agencies, but it, they were not fancy jobs. Trust me, I was an assistant to, you know, producers and talent agents and all that type of stuff in my undergrad. And uh, yeah, getting coffee and running errands and giving ad hoc tours of the studio lots. So uh, not very sexy, but definitely a little glamorous. This is the second Hollywood connection we've had on the podcast. Cameron Black, who's the CIO at Arizona Blue Cross, worked at the Geraldo show. And so that was his fun fact, which is really cool. All right. So what makes insurance asset management so cool? I think it, what's cool is just how much insurance underpins a society and how important it is part of society that we get to manage these assets correctly. And, and yeah, I mean, so that's really what I think is cool about it. I love that because I think people really understate how important insurance is to societally, right? Just imagine if you had, you could have no insurance on your house or your car, how different you'd be thinking about those assets. So I am so happy to have found TAP. I wasn't familiar Tell our audience about TAP, the founding of it, and why, why you and your partner did this. So TAP is a technology company, first and foremost, that plays in the private markets, right? So private equity, venture capital funds, infrastructure, natural resources, and all the like. And specifically, we're building a secondary market for private funds. So the secondary market for private funds is really a crucial part of any market. You know, in other marketplaces, we don't really call in stock market, we don't really call NASDAQ the secondary market. We just call it the market. And in private markets, we kind of aim to make that the same way. So right now there's a thing called the secondary market. This is where buyers and sellers come together to trade a private equity fund that may have been bought years ago, but now wants to be sold. And there's kind of a whole system that has come up and about over the past 20 years in order to help trade these things. So TAP is really a, a data and technology infrastructure to help make those types of transactions more efficient. So we basically pair 
our technology that helps folks do secondary transactions that collects the data. And we pair that with a great group of advisors from, you know, very large banks who've done billions and billions of dollars, these transactions in the past to really, you know, help folks like the listeners of insurance AUM who may be managing private assets out there actually better navigate those private markets. I'm such an advocate for a strong secondary market in private securities because I think it, it will ultimately allow insurers to make a larger allocation there, right? Because if they feel like they can come back out in a reasonable and efficient way, I got to think that that's good for the market overall. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Can you talk about who the market participants are? There's GPs and LPs and whatever else, but can you give us some background on just LP secondaries as an example? So a little background on it. Uh, you know, the first LP secondaries were done way back in, you know, 1979 and they've grown up hugely since then. Right. So, you know, in 2000, there was something like 2 billion and today there's over a hundred billion dollars the past couple of years in done in these secondary transactions. LP secondaries traditionally has now been about 50% of the market. So there's about $50 billion a year done in these LP secondary transactions. And what these are is folks who bought into a limited partnership. These are usually private equity or venture capital funds or the like. And they, for a variety of reasons, want to sell those securities. You know, what's come about is a bunch of buyers in the secondary market. These are called secondaries funds. There's about $400 billion today of AUM and secondaries funds. As you can imagine, it's a super popular and, and growing strategy right now. In Q1, it was one of the most popular fundraising strategies out there in the private markets. And these folks, their entire reason for being is to buy these securities from the sellers, from the LPs. And the GPs sit in the middle and the GPs, they generally, you know, obviously have all the data and they kind of rubber stamp the transactions as they come through. But GPs also now are big participants as sellers in secondaries. So there's a GP-led secondary market that makes up the other 50 billion of secondary markets generally. And GPs, there's all sorts of reasons that GPs might want to sell, but they do it really to actively manage their own portfolios and their own business. And that's really kind of who the players and secondaries are. And the last one I'd say is intermediaries. So this is a heavily intermediated market. Most transactions, LPs or GPs will hire an advisor. These are big investment banks, companies like TAP, who help those folks navigate the secondary markets when they need to. So if I'm an LP, which I don't mean to be presumptuous here. Limited partner, right? Yeah. That if I'm an insurance company CIO and I've bought a private security, I am an LP at that point. Yes. Right? So I just want to make sure I've got my, my ducks in a row here. So why am I going to sell? What's the purpose or what, what brings an LP to market? So historically, folks sold because of distress way back in the day. So when I say there's transactions that were occurring in the 80s, those folks really, they had to sell for whatever reason. There were regulatory changes or things like that that forced them to sell. And so a lot of folks still sell for those reasons today. So sometimes you might have turnover in personnel. You have a new CIO. They like want to reallocate into the managers that they know better. Or there may be regulatory changes. For instance, some of the things that we're seeing going on right now with decoupling from China, folks are selling exposure that's in Asia, right? So sometimes it's sort of a more systematic reason to sell. But increasingly, and over the past 20 years, we've really seen this become a portfolio management tool. So just like you said before, that 
one of the reasons that has held back insurers from getting allocated into privates where there's great yield has been that there hasn't been liquidity. Well, now they have liquidity in a way that they can manage their portfolio. So if you have uh, obligations on the other side of this that you need to meet, there aren't enough distributions coming out of the rest of your portfolio, you can actually go and sell in the secondary market at decent prices because of the way the market has come up. And you know what? Most of the LPs these days are taking advantage of that. About I think half of LPs are going to be selling into secondary sometime within the next 24 months is some of the stats that have been you know thrown around out there. So it's a very popular tool used to manage portfolios. That's cool. So I love the fact that the secondary market is getting, is improving, right? Can you walk me through the transactions process kind of stem to stern if I'm an LP? I can walk you through, you're right, it's absolutely improving, right? So there's the version of this process today is exactly what TAP is really trying to change. But if we kind of walk through the steps of it, right? It, it really is, you know, you want to do a transaction. The first thing you want to do is you're going to want to go out and find counterparties to transact with. And so usually what you will do, like I said before, is you will hire an advisor because these advisors have navigated this market many, many times before. You're probably not a regular market participant here, so you don't know who the buyers are. I will tell you there are many hundreds and hundreds of buyers, each with their own little needs and desires. And so you'll go out and you'll you'll hire an advisor and you'll approach the market with your transaction. You'll get some indicative pricing. This is all done basically via email and through your broker. You'll get pricing. You'll then usually open up a data room, pass along some more information. They might do a little bit more of a thorough underwrite and you'll end up getting a final sort of bid out of that, usually running a one or two round little auction on these LP interests. From there, you'll go through and paper the actual transaction. So you need to find, sign a purchase sale agreement, a transfer agreement and other documents, get that process by the GP. The whole process generally takes about eight weeks. Many processes take in the order of months depending on complexity. So if you have a simpler process, it might take six to eight weeks. So obviously liquidity is available. You will get a roughly fair price for your assets, but it does take a long time. It is, is an arduous process. That is one of the things that at TAP, we're really trying to clear up and turn that eight weeks into something more like eight days as we sort of automate all these different pieces of the of the puzzle. And, and that's, I guess that's a great point there. How is TAP different than the process you just described? Yeah. So I would say we're not different. Our model is that we're we're thinking about lowering the costs of doing these transactions, making them faster, making them easier. And so we basically do all the steps that I just described. We just do them faster. And I think that's what, what technology is great for. So we are armed with the exact same kind of playbook. We have the same teammates. You know, folks from our team come from Evercore, Campbell Lutchins. These are some of the big banks that are in this area. We happen to focus on transactions that are $100 million and below, though we have transactions that we were doing that are $300 million and above. So we kind of do all sizes, but we focus on these sort of more medium-sized transactions and we have technology and data that underpins every one of these pieces. So we arm our advisors with better data about what's going on in the market. So we have thousands of bids and asks on the platform. We have the majority of the secondaries market looking at deals on tap. So there's about $250 billion in AUM from secondaries funds that look at deals on tap. So we really have used technology to scale this market in a way that other brokers or advisors can't do because they're doing it in the old fashioned way using their Rolodex and their, their email. And we have a transactional platform here that is built 
to do this at larger scale and really built to make the entire process go faster. So we have approached the market exactly where it's at, exactly how it works. And then we are attempting to evolve it from there using technology. That makes sense. So what's the current state of the secondaries market today? I'm looking at, you know, we talked about why LPs are transacting. Why are GPs transacting? And how much transparency can I get by using TAP? So LP secondaries today are doing great. This has been a past couple of years have been amazing, right? So there's been $100 billion in volume these past couple of years, which are both records. This year is tracking to do $100 billion plus again. And so these markets kind of do well in good markets because a lot of folks want to buy. And then in markets where a lot of people need to sell, it's also not bad. And so there's definitely a consistency to how this works that has seemed to weather various market conditions. In terms of why GPs are transacting right now is, as you can imagine, private markets, you know, fundraising for private equity, fundraising for venture capital is very difficult right now. There is $3 of demand for allocations for every $1 that LPs have to give of allocations. And so what that means is I think something like 37% of these GPs think that they describe the current fundraising environment as extremely challenging. And so really for them, what it's a, the secondary markets are about is showing distributions in their funds. They need to show what's called DPI, which is distributions to paid in capital. This is one of the top ways they're judged in order to fundraise. And so when they engage in these secondary transactions, generally they're able to show DPI and this helps them in their fundraising. So that's the top reason why they fundraise. Now, as regards transparency that you're talking about here, TAP is still a private marketplace. So on TAP, you don't necessarily see every deal that's out there, but you're able to see into, if you have a portfolio of 100 funds, you're able to see into get pricing on those 100 funds. You're able to see in to see uh, secondary market adjusted IRRs on those 100 funds. And so if you have some presence in private markets already, you can come in and in a private way, view all this secondary market data and basically very transparently. It's interesting because this market, we've had some others talking about the value that they see. These are asset management firms, the value that they see in the second in the private secondaries. It seems like this market is rapidly evolving and rapidly improving. So can you talk a little bit about the future development in the secondaries market from your seat and how you think the tap is going to play into that. So I do agree with the other folks that you had on who were talking about how secondary markets are always evolving. And I think that secondary markets are the sort of derivative market of the primaries, right? Which is just fundraising generally. And so, you know, in terms of growth of the market, like I said, $100 billion a year, there are folks who have who are re very reputable who've said that in the next several years, we're going to see a trillion dollars in volume one of these years. Now, the things that are going to control that are, one, just the growth of the private markets overall. So as private markets get larger, there's more secondary transactions that need to happen, right? The second is the growth of secondaries funds. So right now, like I said, there's about $400 billion of AUM in secondaries funds. That's not very much overhang. There's about something roughly around $200 billion in dry powder, which is only two years of sort of investable capital, uh, that, that $100 billion sort of pace. 
And then within that, there's all little sort of niches that don't have enough capital at all. And so there really is a big demand to raise more of these funds. And as the secondaries funds themselves get bigger and we bring in other folks who can participate in the secondary side who may not be dedicated to secondaries funds, we'll have more demand for secondaries volume as well. The third thing I'd say here is that these private programs are becoming more sophisticated. And as they become more sophisticated, they're going to utilize these portfolio management tools. So perhaps a lot of, of listeners here have gotten their private markets sort of shop set up in the past decade or so. Well, as they get more mature, and as you see, you know, the very large pension funds and endowments who've been doing this forever, those folks are really the folks who are using secondaries markets a lot as an important tool. And the last thing is that the growth in the primaries market is heavily influenced by secondaries market. So like you were talking about, if insurers want to be able to allocate more into private markets, then we need more liquidity. And so if the market wants to expand into high net worth individuals, they need more liquidity. And so these sort of new frontiers of where private markets could expand really require liquidity as a crucial aspect of what they're doing. And so that will also drive demand for liquidity. And at TAP, we're basically trying to make this liquidity a thing. We're trying to lower transaction costs and in, in that way, basically open up the market to new participants, have capital be coming in at a faster pace and really try and make this future come a little bit faster than it would have been without TAP. And so at the risk of shameless self-promotion, <laughs> how does somebody find TAP? You can go to tapprivatemarkets.com. That's uh, T-A-P, privatemarkets.com. You can email our team at team at usetap.com. And yeah, we're always happy to, to chat with folks about secondary markets, just sort of educate folks. This is a new market for a lot of people, like I said, and we're more than happy to spend our time educating folks on how secondary markets work. And of course, eventually get you onboarded to, to get you data and a transaction done. That's fantastic. What's the thing, if you wanted to just kind of leave us with a single takeaway or factoid or whatever, what would you want our audience to remember from this podcast? The main thing is that I think folks need to remember that these secondary markets make this private market liquid. And so when you get in, you can get out. And I think that takes away a lot of the pressure from folks who are thinking of allocating to private markets and think, wow, this fund has a 10-year term. I'm going to be locked in this for 10 years. Sure, you should be thinking about lock being in there for 10 years. But you should know that you're not going to get killed trying to get out of the market. There are folks out there like TAP who can help you navigate these secondary markets successfully and actually get liquidity on your portfolio. That's fantastic. I've got a couple of questions. You, gotta, you get your choice. You can do either or both. And the first one is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? And the second one is, who would you most like to have lunch with, alive or dead? And that can, it can be a group. You can have up to four at lunch. <laughs> up to four at lunch. Oh yeah. my God. Well, that, up to you. That would be well including you, you can have you and three. Kids. <laughs> I think for me, you know, I'm just a huge fan of these uh, biographies of LBJ by Robert A. Caro called Years of Lyndon Johnson. They have sort of a cult following there, this multi-volume, multi-thousand page set of biographies. And he's a very a mis enigmatic character. And I think it really comes to life in this book. I would absolutely love to have lunch with LBJ. And I guess I will piggyback off that with a little piece of advice that comes from these books. There's, there's a bunch of stuff that comes from it, but LBJ used to say that people used to say who were with him, that when he, you were with him, he made you believe that if you did everything, absolutely everything, then you would win. 
And I've just seen that over and over again in my life that if you leave no stone unturned, and we see this on transactions that we're doing now, but on starting companies or working on anything that you're working on, if you really go out of full force and you do not give up and you keep focusing on dotting every I and crossing every T, somehow it will work and it will come to you. And, and that has proven true to me in every part of my life. And I really do take that little piece of wisdom with me everywhere I go in my entrepreneurial journey, in my financial journey. I love that. It's certainly been true at Insurance AUM, right? We're very fortunate <laughs> to have- Gotta uh, have faith, dude. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're very fortunate to have have terrific clients and terrific readers and, and terrific listeners. And uh, people have been super kind to us. So I'm with you. I think it, you know, nose on the grindstone and, and just keep going. Uh, it'll, it's going to work out. So thanks for joining us. We've been joined today by Jeff Leathers, who's the co-founder and CEO of TAP, an electronic trading platform. You can find them at tapprivatemarkets.com. Jeff, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks for listening. If you have ideas for a podcast, please shoot me a note at podcast at insuranceaum.com. You can rate us, like us, and review us anywhere you get your podcast shows. My name is Stuart Foley, and this is the insuranceaum.com podcast.